Good morning. How are we doing? Good to uh, see you this morning. Before I get started, I want to remind you uh, of the sheet of paper that was on your chair last week. And uh, this is designed as we enter into our 20th uh, year anniversary here in the next couple of weeks for you to share your God is good story uh, with us and then put your uh, picture up here so we know who you are and then we're going to put them on the back wall so we all can go back and read and enjoy and be encouraged by uh, your story that, that you have experienced over the last 20 years here uh, at our church. And so if you could um, do that that'd, be, that, that'd be great. All right, we are in our last week uh, of our series entitled Full Steam Ahead. And as we have been thinking through this whole idea of not losing heart, I thought it would be good for us to look today at the Apostle Paul, who we know went through some pretty difficult circumstances in his life. And he did that without losing heart. He does that without losing his joy. Uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, adversity stories comes from uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll. If you don't know who he is, he's a uh, seminary president, pastor, author, uh, radio show host, all that stuff. And he tells this story about the commercial transportation of codfish. Well, like back in the day, this was an issue. This was a problem. And at first, the fish were frozen, and they were shipped from the East Coast to the West Coast, but they lost their flavor in, in the whole freezing and thawing kind of process. And so somebody then had this idea. They said, I, I, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll ship them in live in tanks. But, but then they arrived at the destination, and they were like soft and and mushy, and, and you can just kind of think about that for a second. Meat not having its texture. And then somebody came up with this idea. They thought, let's do this. Let's ship the cod with their natural enemy, the catfish. And so... From the time that the codfish left the East Coast, they were chased around the tank by the catfish. And when they arrived at market, they were as fresh as when they were first caught. No loss of fit flavor, no loss of texture. And Swindoll says this, he says that each of us in a tank of inescapable circumstances, which is painful enough, but there are also some God-appointed catfish to bring sufficient tension that keeps us alive and alert and fresh and growing. It's all a part of God's plan to shape our character. So we will become what? Like Jesus Christ. Remember last week we talked about how that's God's goal for us, right? To be more like Jesus. And Paul had an inescapable circumstance in his life that, that he called the thorn in his flesh. And he had to learn how to deal with it in such a way that 
it, it took him to a whole new place spiritually. And today, as we read about what Paul said about it, and, and, and in this process, I think we can all learn a new way to deal with our problems, the difficulties of life, in, in a way that we can still be moving, what, full steam ahead. Full steam ahead. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and turn, take them out. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Go ahead and take your note sheets out. You can follow along with me this morning. In this chapter, Paul is in the middle of what you might call a rant directed at some of the teachers who were causing division in the church in Corinth, and they were leading them the wrong direction. And so these teachers would, would brag about their achievements and their success and their showmanship and all that kind of stuff. So in chapters 10 and 11, Paul complains about their behavior and he defends the, his authority as a leader in the church and as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 12, he talks about an incredible spiritual experience that he had. But, but here he refers to himself in the third person. And this experience was a vision in, in which he was caught up into paradise, right? Into heaven. And he saw some things that, that you just can't put words to. Like, like they were unbelievable things. The things that, that it wasn't even permitted to, to talk about. And his point in bringing this up is to say that these false teachers brag about their spiritual dreams and their visions and their experiences. And Paul says, like, you got nothing. Right? Like, I got one that's going to top all of that. And then he says, but I don't even talk about it. I don't bring it up. In our passage today, what we're going to see is what Paul has to say about this thorn in the flesh and what he learns from it. That's where we're driving. That's our focus today. And we may not share Paul's experiences of being caught up in the third heaven. But we do share his experience with thorns. Right? With weakness. Insults. Hardships. Persecutions. Difficulties. So we began to think, like, what is this thorn in the flesh all, all about? And maybe you think of it like as a splinter, like as this annoying sliver of wood that gets under your skin and it just kind of hurts like crazy. The, the word actually means anything that is pointed like a stake or a thorn. It's anything that would cause a sharp affliction. In other words, Paul is saying... The, the, this, it's, it's annoying, right? It, it's a big deal and it can do some damage. So what was the thorn that tormented Paul? Well, he never says. But, but it hasn't stopped people from trying to figure it out, right? So some scholars think that Paul's thorn was the temptation uh, to doubt or persecution, yet others think it was sexual temptation. One said that he thought it was a physical limitation that Paul had to endure, and the list goes on and on from things like headaches to malaria since he spent so much time at sea, right? Eye trouble is one theory. That they say when he was struck blind on the road to Damascus that, that he was never healed, that, that God just allowed 
the eye problems to stay with him for the rest of his life as a reminder of this encounter that he had with Christ. There are so many speculations about what this thorn in the flesh was. What do I believe? I believe Paul didn't tell us. (laughs) I think he didn't tell us for a reason. It's not important what the thorn was. It's important what the thorn taught him. And there's some things about thorns that I would love for us to consider today. So as I said earlier, we're going to give some insights on how we can deal with difficulties and problems as we move full steam ahead. So the first thing that I'd like for us to see, number one on your outline today, is specific thorny details are best kept to yourself. Look with me at verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so, so that no one would think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, so Paul is essentially says that, that this nameless man who had this vision really had something to boast about, right? But, but Paul himself really could only boast in his weakness, which is exactly what he does in chapter 11. But Paul is, is sharply and humorously contrasting himself with these so-called super apostles amongst the Corinthian Christians. That they would not hesitate to, to boast about the kind of vision that Paul had. In fact, they would write books and make tapes and videos and go on speaking tours and all the stuff, right? That, that's what they probably would do. And he says, and if they did, each of them would be a fool. And Paul will not be a fool. So he will not boast in in this vision. At the same time, we almost get the sense that it was important for Paul to communicate to the Corinthian Christians that he really did have such an experience. A lot of times I think it's easy to think that the only ones who have profound experiences with God are those who are constantly boasting about it. Paul never does boast, as these other guys did. But he certainly had profound experiences with God. And and the proof of those profound experiences was found in his transformed life and, and his powerful ministry. At the same time, Paul felt it was important to mention this experience, but not to dwell on it. He wasn't trying to, like, sell himself to the to the Christians there at Corinth. In fact, he holds back from his description because he doesn't want to persuade these Christians in Corinth that he was one of those guys, right? One of the super apostles. So he says, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And if the Corinthian Christians thought Paul was weak and different from those other guys... That, that's cool with Paul. Right? He wanted them to think that. He, he wanted them to see the glory of God expressed in weakness. And not to see him as this great super kind of apostle guy. And so why was Paul given this vision? Well, first, 
He was given it for you and me so we would get the benefit from what the Lord had showed Paul. And then secondly, secondly, he was given it because God told him through this vision, sustained him through all the trials of ministry and enabled Paul to give everything that, that God wanted him to give to, to all the generations. This vision helped Paul finish his course and not to lose heart. And the point here is, is let's not get into like a thorn bragging competition. Like, you think you have it badly, you should look at my thorn. Right? Right? It's not a competition. It's not a, a contest. The, the idea is not to go on and on about the power of the thorn. The idea is to use that as an opportunity to experience the power of God in your life. Okay, here's the second thing that, for us to know about thorns. Thorns provide a necessary balance. Verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to, to keep me from becoming conceited. So, so here's the deal. Paul's vision was so impressive that it would have been easy for him to be greatly exalted, right? To, for them to put him up on a pedestal. And he could have glorified himself or caused others to, to glorify in him because of the experience. But notice here he says that there was given to me. Right, he quantified this, the, the, this great trial to be a gift. It was given to him. Right, he, he doesn't say that, that it was afflicted upon me, this thorn in the flesh, but rather it was given to me. This is a sad truth of our fallen nature. Without thorns in our life, we have a a tendency to get too full of ourselves. There are people that experience success and and they're always receiving praise and they tend to get conceited and and self-centered. I mean, it can even happen spiritually, right? Like I've known people who have had either, either powerful experiences with the Holy Spirit or a lot of success in ministry, and all of a sudden they become just full of themselves, right? It's not a good thing, which is why God in his mercy oftentimes will intervene, right? Pride comes before the fall kind of stuff here. It's designed to bring you back to reality, I was reading this past week of a guy who basically didn't like the idea that God would place a thorn in our lives for our good. Right? He, he, he said things like this. He said, like, like, I don't need a God who will put me in my place. He, he said, I, I don't have a pride problem, so I don't need a thorn in my life to keep me on track. And I just thought, you know, consistently, what, what did you just hear? The word I, right? I kept waiting for the punchline as I'm reading through this because I thought it was like a joke, right? The truth is, is that we need thorns from time to time. We need life's difficulties to keep perspective. Here's the third one. The right thing to do is to pray first for the thorn to be removed. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So, so Paul prays three times for this thorn to be removed. 
In fact, he says he pleaded with the Lord. Meaning that his prayer is what? Passionate. Lord, take this away from me. Some scholars think that, that the three times is symbolic, that he prayed about this thorn repeatedly. Others think that the three is literal, that on three separate occasions, Paul made a focused effort in prayer to, for asking God to take the thorn away, asking God to take it out of his life. And when his passionate and repeated, and repeated plea was not answered, I don't know about you, but that gets concerning, right? It's like you're pleading, you're like you're pouring out your heart to the Lord, and he's like, yeah, nope, sorry. I think it could have added another dimension to his trial that, that he was going through. Because I think he had like this physical dimension, it was a thorn in the flesh. And then I think he had a mental dimension. We know it was a messenger of Satan. And then it had a spiritual dimension that it was an unanswered prayer. And the point here is that Paul prayed. I think he started at the right place. When, when we have a big problem and it comes into our life, that's the beginning point. You don't start by trying to solve it yourself. No, you start in prayer. You, you ask God to remove it. And a lot of times that will happen, right? A lot of times we have things that come into our life. We pray, God intervenes, right? And, and, and he takes care of whatever it is. And then sometimes God says, you know what? You just got to live with it. That's probably not the answer that we want to hear. But that is, that is his answer. That's what happened to Paul. Thorn in the flesh came into his life. He asked God to remove it. God's like, nope, not going to do that. But I'm going to give you the power to endure it. That's where Philippians 4, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. I think verse 6 is up on the screen for you. But it says this, let your responsibleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when you look at the passage in the light of moving full steam ahead, in the, in the light of having Christian joy in your life, in the light of not being filled with anxiety, we, we see that we must be grounded in four different areas, right? First, in the Lord himself. He is who he said he is. Secondly, in Instead of looking inward, believers should look outside of themselves and demonstrate graciousness to all people that they come in contact with. And then thirdly, to take all things to God in prayer. For it is in prayer that we commit all of our needs and worries to a caring and a capable God. And then fourth, the peace of God is at work in believers to guard them. The peace is beyond comprehension. It is there to guard us. Even in the midst of great trial, or, or if we have a thorn in the flesh in our lives. Okay, here's the next thing that I want you to see. Number four, thorns inspire reliance on God. Here's what Jesus says to the Apostle Paul in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. 
God had a response for Paul. The answer wasn't what Paul initially hoped for or, or what he expected, but God still had a response for Paul. He was, he, we often, uh, I think we oftentimes close our ears to God, and if he responds in a way that we didn't hope that he would respond or expect him to respond. So instead of removing the thorn from Paul's life, God gave and would keep giving him his grace. The, the grace that God gave to Paul was sufficient. Right, to meet his every need. And to do this, for Paul to pull that off, he had to believe that God's grace is sufficient. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God's grace is sufficient in every need that you have? I think for us to believe that, we can only believe God's grace is sufficient until we believe that we are insufficient. For many of us, especially in American culture, that's a huge obstacle. Because we tend to idolize what? The fact that we're self-made people. Like, I don't need any help. Right? I'll do it on my own. I remember my son Jordan when he was two and three and, and we go to help him. You know what he say? I do it myself. I do it myself. I, I, I think a lot of us, we grew up, that's what we did, right? I'll just do it myself. Right? We can't receive God's grace and his strength until we know our weakness. We can't receive the sufficiency of God's grace until we know our own insufficiency. And then Paul says this in the rest of verses 9 and 10, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Right? For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong, he says. Paul is saying, in effect, when this thorn is getting the best of me, it drives me to rely more on God than ever before. Because you know what? I can't beat it on my own. But when we rely on God, we have all the power that we need. He echoes this in Ephesians 3.20 now. To him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we, we ask or think according to the power at work within us. It's a profound power at work. A God that can make a problem go away is a powerful God. And we see, them, or we see him do that in, in our lives. But a God that can walk you through a problem where, where the fire is raging all around, where, 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 where the bullets are flying and the bombs are exploding all around you. And a God who is able to, to get you safely to the other side, unscathed, untouched. Now that is power. And, and that's the power of our God. Fifth thing for us to consider this morning, thorns aren't nearly as bad as they're made out to be. Listen again to what Paul says, last part of verse 9, verse 10. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. But Paul's not just talking about the giant secret unnamed thorn in the flesh here. Now he's talking about all the different types of problems and thorns that we experience, Right? Weakness and, and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. 
He, he says, I will boast in those things, those things that demonstrate my weakness. Because at the very same time, they demonstrate the power of God. Those are the problems that come into your life on the surface, appear to have the power to wipe you out. Right? They appear to have the power to close the door on your future, or at the very least to close your, the door on the peace that, that you have in your life. Right? And so sometimes you have financial problems. Sometimes you have health problems or marital problems or kid problems or boss problems or employee problems or car problems. Right? The list goes on and on. You can add to the list. They're bigger than, than you are, no question about it. But if we approach them in the right way, and we, we don't, then they don't close the door on anything, do they? In reality, they open the door on a, on a deeper experience with the God of the universe. So the key to his power is to rely on him in our weakness. And often, we go about dealing with our thorns the wrong way, right? We kick and, and we scream and we complain and we get frustrated in our own weakness and we resist what God is trying to accomplish through the situation and we do anything but to rely on his grace see when you are weak and resistant you're just weak but when you're weak and reliant you're strong that's what Paul said boast in our weakness so that Christ's power will rest on us. See, thorns come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Some of them are tiny and they're that annoying little splinter. But sometimes they're giant and they're unbearable. And all of them have the power at times to knock us off our feet. So sometimes you get the little splinter and, and you pray and God takes care of that. But sometimes the thorn is not going away. Well, like you're going to live with this for the rest of your life. Then what? Then what happens? When those thorns rear their ugly head, you know what to do. Rather than complain about it, you pray about it. That's where you start. And then you see what God wants to do. Maybe it's there just for a season, but maybe it's there for long term. But whatever the case may be, it's an opportunity for you to rely on God more than ever before. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word today. God, thank you for the encouragement to rely on you each and every day of our lives. And God, this morning I want to just ask for your forgiveness for how we doubt you at times. Help us to seek you in prayer so that we can rest in your strength and in your wisdom and your words as you use these thorns in our life for our good and your glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.